Hello, All-Star listeners, and welcome to a very special episode of the Veterinary Roundtable presented by All-Star Veterinary Clinic, the podcast where we answer your veterinary-related questions while having some fun along the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a new review or a review on your podcast provider of choice. And if you have any feedback to offer to improve the Veterinary Roundtable, please let us know. That's right. We are very happy to get the reviews because okay. it does something to something or something. something. Harrison just tells us. And then sense. it does something. It makes it go, woo! Yeah. <laughs> so definitely leave us a review on and Spotify, you can leave multiple. Apple. You don't yeah. just leave one and done. That's true. So yeah. welcome all. Definitely. Okay. On today's episode, we have myself, Associate Veterinarian Dr. Ashlyn Duckwall, my co-host, my partner in crime, and the hostess with the mostest, Dr. Emily King. She's right here. This is so weird. I'm like, so weird. I need to keep high-fiving. Don't leave me hanging. Okay. <laughs> okay. And our very special guest, he started as an emergency veterinary technician at a specialty hospital in 2017, and he began working in specialty surgery in 2019. He became credentialed as an RVT in 2020. He has taught veterinary technicians in the D.C. metro area how to bandage for four years. He founded Brian's Bandages in 2021 after discovering the lack of equality, continuing education resources for bandaging in the veterinary field. Please welcome Brian Goldman. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much. Can I get an amen? An amen That's on the right. lack of CE. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Because that is definitely true. Hallelujah. <laughs> and an hallelujah. And a praise Jesus. Okay. Yes. Because that is so true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Do you want to intro your little snoot coming in and out uh, yeah. there? Give him uh, an intro. This is Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Look at his ears. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. Jack, you're going to be famous. Um, so Jack will be popping up every now and then. Basically, if I ever stop petting him, you'll see his <laughs> snout come up to remind that me. He's that there. He's he needs there. to be petted. That's right. Exactly. All right. So I don't know if you've listened to our podcast in the past, but we do uh, throw in some icebreakers to literally break the ice, get comfortable. So we'll dive right into it. Let's do it. Okay. Would you rather, would you rather have every blood draw patient have perfect veins, but never sit still, or have every patient sit, <laughs> sit perfectly still, but have fatty veins that squiggle and roll away from you. I think I would choose the the fatty veins that roll away from you because I'll feel a lot better when I hit that vein. But if I can't hit a big juicy vein it's right there in front of my face and i can't hit it i that will eat away at me but if i can hit a challenging vein with a patient that just doesn't care at all i think that'll just make me feel a ton better yeah yep yeah yeah i agree honestly because nothing makes you feel better than you're like the last one coming in oh, yeah. to save the day and you hit that vein and you're just like, yeah, yeah like mic drop. drop. Yeah. yeah and superhero cape on. Yeah. Like, here's your blood. Yeah. I'll be back don't, later. don't mic drop the blood though. Like, make sure that that thing is on the roster and then you can do your mic drop. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Don't would, lose it. I would totally do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, no. No. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, I, I would agree. I think that it's way more fun to hit something challenging. Yes. I do yeah. think that it's well, yeah. I just have no interest in the. In I'm the, just worried. Uh, I'm gonna poke literally my right. eye out, the my neighbor's eye out. Like, I, there's no yeah. good that comes from. Uh, you need more people. You need a head yeah. tapper. You need someone like hold, like it's just a mess. Oh, the head tapper. There's also this amazing thing called drugs, 
So <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. give them them yeah. and come back. <laughs> yes. Give the drugs and yeah. come back. Take your PVPs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number two. Are bacon bits a seasoning? Well, they're delicious. That's a great question. They are. They're delicious. <laughs> it so... really got my mind thinking. I think they can be. I guess. I guess it d- depends on the size of the bits. Is I, I maybe that's a qualifying condition of bacon yeah. bits, but I would say for the sake of the question, yes, Fair. they are a season. I would add them to it. Yeah, I'm glad to know. Are you? Apparently, you're not vegetarian. You <laughs> didn't really prepare. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Or wait. Is, is there a difference between a seasoning and a topper? Like a, I don't know. You tell me. No, that's interesting. That's I am. I am like mm-hmm. bacon is a main meal. So like, cool. if you chop Even it into small, little you're pieces, you're gonna just eat spoonfuls of small bacon. Well, I mean, you know, bit? if you don't have any bacon, maybe. And if it's right there, and if like, it's right there, spoon, maybe. What are you supposed to do with it? I'd like some <laughs> eggs and bacon bits on the side. Can is I have some bacon bits on the side, please? No, <laughs> it's totally a seasoning. Salt, pepper, bacon bits. Exactly. Yeah. I'll, okay, so good point. It might be a seasoning. I think so. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say it's a seasoning. Yeah. Okay. What are you? So your vote I, is seasoning. I think it's a seasoning for sure because you're not going to eat bacon bits by themselves. Listen, there are people out there probably listening <laughs> that, that eat bacon a, bits by themselves. Yeah. Because they just open the jar and they're like, eh. that's true. And or maple syrup. I guess on top, it's like cereal. Where in the grocery store can you get the bacon bits? Do you get them oh, in with spices point. and herbs? I, I don't know. I think you get them. I do. I think you get them in the spices yeah. and the like where all that stuff is in the store. Yeah. Harrison, like all yeah. those packaged seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> all that packaged seasoning stuff. Like all yeah. that stuff. I think that's where bacon bits are located. Yeah. I think I think so. So, so people store bacon bits. People store bacon bits in the refrigerator. Yeah, it's like one of those refrigerate after opening type things, right? Oh, refrigerate after opening. Okay. I'm pretty sure it says that on the, the label. Okay. It might I don't know. Preserve I just it? use real bacon because I love bacon. Yeah. So yeah. like if I'm going to like put bacon on something, I just chop up some So then real it's bacon. like, well, how are bacon bits made? Are they right. Made? Harrison, are bacon bits really <laughs> real? I don't know. I, I bet <laughs> we they're We always not. ask Harrison. He just sits there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's by the computer so he can like search it for us. Okay. Well, on the um, next podcast, we will answer, answer that question. Oh, are bacon bits real? Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they're not real, totally seasoning then. Okay, but if they are real, they're still they're not real. They're not real. Oh, they're not real. He just shook his head. He goes, "No." Okay, they're definitely seasoning then. Okay. Yes. Okay. Man, my life, my everything I've known is just out the window on bacon bits. Like, (laughs) right? I mean, join our podcast because we really solve some head scratchers here. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Some deep thinking happens here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. That's right. Exactly. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people wanted to know about bacon bits. Oh my sure. gosh. Yeah. It's something you don't think about. Right. And exactly. You debate about it and it's life changing. Okay. Right, Let's so jump right into it. Where did your love for bandaging originate from? And what about your love for pets? Well, my love for pets started, uh, like a lot of, like when I was a kid, my family growing up always had pets. I think at one point we had three dogs, four cats, a frog, uh, a little bit of everything. And so <laughs> Animals have just always been a part of my life. Um, and then forming that bond and just wanting to take care of like other people's pets just like kind of grew over time. And so then I just became a vet tech and fell in love with it even further and loved the 
how in depth the field is and how far we can go in taking care of these animals that I've already loved as a child and just seeing how far people go, their love for their animals go and taking care of these animals is just it was truly inspiring. It was something I just wanted to be a part of from the start. Um, and then more specifically, in love with bandaging, I when I moved to the specialty surgery department, I really fell in love with the art of bandaging and how important they are to your hospital that you don't really think about. I think about bandaging as a representative of your hospital. Usually when patients come into the hospital, it's because they're sick or they have something going on inside of them that when they leave, it doesn't really, you can't really see how great your hospital is. But if you put a bandage on and you're walking out the door, that is a walking advertisement of how quality your work is. And so to have your patient walk out the door and have people stop them in the lobby and be like, oh, that's a great bandage. Like that right there is just an absolutely amazing feeling, especially when you get put a little extra artwork on there and the owners really, truly appreciate how much love you have for your own job and for the animals. Like it's, it was just extremely rewarding and something I wanted to be really, really good at. So uh, just fell in love with that. Like basically after the first bandage. Yeah. It's amazing how like the things that are on the outside are just so important to owners where it may be like kind of our last afterthought almost. Yeah. Like, you're at the end of a surgery and you're putting together an incision and you're like, Oh, this is taking forever. I just want to be done. But you're like, no, that's probably the most important part. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what the it's a see. reflection upon exactly. what the, um, uh, upon what the procedure and the quality of yeah. the, of the procedure that was done. Yeah. My surgeon always hated when he would do a, an amazing fracture reduction and plating and, he was so proud of his x-ray after that, but all the owner can talk about was the bandage that the dog went home with. So mm -hmm. he would always get super frustrated, but also like really proud of like, if that bandage looked bad, they would assume that the surgery was bad. Exactly. And mm -hmm. so those two things would correlate. And so that's just how I always saw how important that bandage is uh, to just the, uh, how people perceive your hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think to your point too of, you know, the joy that you show at work, people like to interact and spend money and, and participate in businesses where people are happy and they find joy in their job. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's much, it go, it all fits together and all feeds into one big thing. You know, if you are showing that joy in your job, then people are more likely to buy in. There's that trust factor. I mean, it's just all is part of the same thing. And so I think that, it's it's so valuable. Yeah. You know, being able to show joy in your workplace. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Or going the extra mile and noticing little things about their pet and doing those characters or whatever on yeah. the on yeah. the surface of it. I, so many times if there's a child involved in the family, they always come to drop off. I would try and mimic the kid's shoes to the bandage. I would try and do the same color. If it was a Nike thing, I would put a Nike swoosh. Just like little stuff like that. Like if they had like a Barney t-shirt on or something, I would put Barney on the bandage. Just stuff like that, that kind of just really gets the owners to buy in. Yeah. And I always say, if you add that, if you have time to add bandage art, the owners will be more likely to follow your instructions to protect that bandage and that bandage art 
than they would be if there wasn't artwork on there. That's um, true. I did a little I did a little test myself like one summer and the quality of bandages returning were much better with bandage art than without. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that makes very sense. cool. Oh. Excuse me. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. You began working as an emergency emergency technician in 2017. What made you choose emergency medicine over general practice? Uh, emergency hired me. <laughs> uh, so I moved up to D.C. Uh, from South Carolina, and I had no vet uh, med experience whatsoever. Uh, I was a zookeeper uh, down south, and my now wife got a job up in the D.C. area. And so I just followed her up here and didn't have a job. and started working at a uh, emergency hospital cleaning cages and walking dogs and uh, just kind of being a level one technician. Uh, fell in love with it immediately like I thought I would and uh, just kind of wanted to learn as much as I can and just kind of grew from there. So uh, to answer your question, just opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, it found you. <laughs> It was um emer do you like emergency medicine now like as far as like you work during the day so you're working like specialty practice uh right now i'm kind of doing i moved to a gp i'm now lead uh technician at a uh gp and so learning that side of things it's a completely different yeah. uh ball game over there like it's still a lot of fun it's just so much different i really love the one-on-one -on -one with the owners and really seeing these dogs and cats from when they're puppies and then just growing up with them is a experience I never had with emergency or specialty. It's usually you treat them and then they're, they're out the door. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. If you do have a relationship with those animals, there's usually something wrong. So it's nice yeah. to have a relationship with these animals and they're usually uh, just there for their annual visit. So it's a nice, uh, nice little change of pace. Yeah, it's definitely easier to build relationships in GP practice Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. You know, right. Um, one of the things that we always find interesting is we'll end up seeing members of the same families. Mm -hmm. Like so like older, like so, you know, sisters or yep. brother, sister and a mother all come with their pets, you know, like and so you end mm -hmm. up yeah. learning these dynamics of families, which is fascinating to me. And I've always said, you know, I want to put like some type of like tree, family tree. Oh, yeah. And be like, this person knows yeah. this person who knows this person who knows this like it was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um and yeah. you know, it's just I it's one of the things I enjoy the most, you know, about being in GP stuff. And it's just so rewarding to see I mean, things that get better. I mean, the best thing I love is, you know, these dogs start coming to us and their temperaments are nervous or they're scared or you have to do certain chemical restraint, but then as they get used to you and they know you, then they start to like break out of their shell and then they're happy to, I don't know. That's, I mm -hmm. love the behavior change over the course of the time. It's yeah. Super yeah, yeah. They're no longer scared to come in. They actually look forward to coming yeah. in because they know that this is where they get all the treats and everyone loves me and all that stuff. Right. So it, it is absolutely rewarding. Yeah. Um, You mentioned relationship building. Do you, did you see yourself or, you know, have you always been an educator like by nature? Um, you know, so did you see yourself as an educator and becoming one? When I first, when I first started in vet med, this was absolutely nowhere on my mind. I thought I was just going to be cleaning cages, walking dogs, do some triages. And, um, it really just came with, um, confidence and, uh, my, my confidence in myself and being able to become that educator, step into that role. 
Um, I was confident that what I was doing was really good. And I was having a lot of success with my owners and my relationships with my doctors who trusted me to put on a quality bandage that could last up to two weeks mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and not get any bandage sores. Like having those results and doing these trusted um, procedures uh, gave me the confidence to be able to share my techniques, uh, my pictures, my videos with the world, just putting it out there and just hoping that I didn't get crucified for doing things in a certain way because I, because I didn't grow up with an education going to school for vet med. I didn't have that background. So what I was doing was all learned on, um, on site. And so being putting these techniques out there that a lot of them go against what I apparently is taught in schools where you only wrap up or you, uh, don't use stirrups because that'll uh, create some irritation on this, like all these things that can be fixed in certain ways and really aren't that bad. So it's, it's all came from the confidence in myself and just my, the support of my surgical team that uh, really allowed me to step into that educational role. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, gosh, internet and social media. Yeah we put stuff out and, you know, you still always get those, those comments that come mm -hmm. back and make you maybe pause for a second. But yeah, I mean, I mean, commend you for your confidence because <clears throat> doing something out of the textbook norm can sometimes be difficult mm -hmm. to make headway with it. Um, but yeah, that's awesome to, uh, it just kind of almost like easily, it sounds like, I don't know, <laughs> but easily kind of made you, an educator in the field. So right. it, and it all started with, uh, I was just, I wanted to put pictures on, on a Facebook page. I, I was, it was during COVID. I was starting to get burned out like a lot of people. And then I wanted to make this project where I could be proud of and see the work that I did in a day. And I, at that point I was placing six, eight bandages a day. Like, and so I, at the end of the day, I would post them all to my Facebook page that my collection and just kind of like be like, wow, this is everything I did today. And I started getting some really, really good feedback and be like, oh, my gosh, those are beautiful. Like, how did, how did you do this? Why do you do this? How did you get it to look this way? And then I decided, oh, OK, people are interested in what I'm doing. I, I guess it's different from how other people were doing it because I had just been at this one hospital. And so then I just started posting some pics and posting some videos and and people were getting a lot of good feedback of people would message me. My bandage keeps slipping off. I have a Frenchie puppy and there's no way we can get it to stay above the stifle. How can I do this? And I would send them a trick. And the best thing would be when I a week later, it stayed up. The bandage stayed up. <laughs> and it was just like, that was the most rewarding thing ever. And so then I was like, OK, I need to this has the potential of becoming an actual thing. Uh, and so yeah. we're still growing. We're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Um, on your website, it says you founded Brian's bandages after seeking the lack of quality education for bandaging in the industry. What was the moment where the light bulb clicked and made you realize it was time to start educating professionals? That was probably it, right? When you just, when you got that those, was definitely that the moment. Um, but it's, it's grown to the part where I'm helping, I'm Zoom calling with 
dog rescues in Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran out there where they have 500 dogs in a facility and they all have these wounds from from fleas, from being hit by cars, from just being out in the wilderness for a certain time. And they just don't have access to the medical supplies that we do. And so I work with their doctors and I try and figure out, tell me what materials you have. What does the wound look like? Where it is? And then we try and piece together a plan to help um, help some of these dogs. And so it was at that moment where I was like, this is really cool. Like, <laughs> this is unbelievably yeah. awesome where yeah, awesome. I'm just at a position in my career where I can help animals in Iraq. Like, I never thought that I would be able to say, put that on my resume, but here we are. So I think that was the moment where it clicked, where... I was like, this is, this is awesome. This is a very cool project that I'm doing. It's like you, you realize your reach, right? Like how far you actually yeah. can go. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, and with animals being everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, and what's cool is that the challenges are different depending on, you know, what the challenges of the animals are right. really. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah and like you said, what materials they have, like, it's like, sounds like a exciting puzzle every time to figure out what you can piece together to be able to help them. I mean, through video, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Through just, I'll sometimes Zoom call right before work at 5 a.m. because of the time difference. So I'm Zoom calling at 5 a.m. with Afghanistan. Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty cool. It's like, <laughs> so weird. It's a pretty cool opportunity to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So what would you say the most common thing you see professionals struggle with in regards to bandaging? I think, I mean, we could go through the list. Like there's always a reason why someone doesn't like to bandage, whether or not the bandage keeps falling off or you keep getting these bandage sores or owner compliance can be a tricky thing where uh, it doesn't matter what you do in hospital. If once the dog leaves or cat leaves the hospital, you're no longer able to do anything about it. So that can be very frustrating. So Mm -hmm. uh, at top of the list, I would say bandage staying on like, if the bandage isn't on, it's not doing its job. And you really need to find that balance between too tight and too loose. If it's too tight, we all know toes can swell up. You can have some really nasty side effects, potentially lose the leg. If it's too loose, it's not doing its job when it's off. So really finding that comfort level and playing around with bandaging is it, it's tricky. It, it it just is what it is. It's not natural. Animals aren't supposed to have bandages on. They have no idea why they have a bandage on. And so it's it's just it's a terrible situation when an animal has a bandage on. And so I would say all those things combined into one procedure where you're finding the balance between too loose and too tight. You got an owner that isn't crate resting or activity restricting their dog. And then at the same time, the nails are digging into the sides of the toes because uh, their nails are so long. Like all those together, it really makes people not want to bandage and it's completely understandable. And so I think that's what people have trouble with is it's scary to put a bandage on, especially when you fail, but it's what repetition and practice is the only way that you're going to get better with bandaging. And so that's my biggest, uh, like get your hand on a bandage. Don't be scared. It'll be okay. Nobody's perfect. And the only way you're going to get good at bandaging is by doing is by bandaging more. Yeah. yeah. 
Absolutely. What's your least favorite bandage to do? I'll be honest. I was pumped to do this podcast because I love bandaging. <laughs> like I literally don't let, and it's just selfish. I don't want my technicians to do the bandage because I selfishly want to do it because mm-hmm. it's, you like it. Yeah, I love it. I I just think it's therapeutic. <laughs> I <laughs> like to make sure it looks pretty because it's what they see. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when I hear that it stayed on. I know it's just all the things that mm-hmm. I I just really enjoy bandaging. So I'll be honest, like I think here I we really don't do like casts or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um I think I get a little more nervous with the splint type of bandage because you worry about the pressure sores and things like that. But um, give me a good bandage. I'll have a great time. (laughs) 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 What about you? Um, you Oh, I just, I think the, 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 the Elmer sling or whatever, you know, Um, like, yes. Yeah. It's gonna be my my answer. They Ugh. they only work like fifty yeah. percent of the time, and they yeah. usually get a sore from yeah. it always. I'm like, so it's, it's just really called a bandage. It's yeah. like, well, I mean, I guess they call it a sling. Think of it so I mean, I didn't think of it. As yeah, a I mean that when they taught us that, I was like, how on earth is this ever gonna work? Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, well, that's my work. <laughs> yeah, that's my least favorite. Okay. Since, since you said Emer, I'll change mine to a, a chest wrap because uh-huh. they never look the way you want them to, and especially after a couple of days, they look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you're almost embarrassed to say, "Yeah, I put that on two days ago," even <laughs> though it's just they're too mobile. Yeah, with them, so it's just it never looks the way you want, and you're always kind of like, "Yes, I put that on." I'm <laughs> like, I don't and look. let's take it off right yeah, now. Right. <laughs> but it's not your fault. It's no, fault. Uh, exactly. <clears throat> um, so I have to ask too. So, do you like get nervous or like your stomach churns when like an owner's like, "I put a bandage on at home." <laughs> I oh. get when they're like, "I don't know if the bandage fell off or if they're like it has a wound on its paw, so I put a bandage on." I just get so nervous. Oh, I what... get sick to my I get sick yeah. to my stomach, like because I I don't even want to know what it looks like. like. I don't want to know high, how high up on the leg they put it. I don't. It's just. Yeah, I, I've seen those. Where, yeah, they're at home and then they wrap the leg in saran wrap, you know, or something, or they use a rubber band oh, to hold on yeah. the like, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh my god, you, oh. you got a sock on a lab that's probably just going to eat the sock. Yes. so that's not good. Back on top of it. Yeah, we actually had a patient who ate an ace bandage. The owner wrapped a wound in an ace bandage, and it was an older dog and I think it had a mass removed or something. And so then they were wrapping the surgical site and in, in an ACE bandage, it came to us from Gillespie because it was vomiting and it just wasn't, oh, no. it ended up having a form. They didn't know why the dog was vomiting. They forgot uh, that they had, that there was an ACE bandage on this dog at some point. And so the dog uh, ate the ACE bandage. The owners forgot. Uh, no. <laughs> it was a, Don't so, forget you put a bandage There was a gastronomy dog. for an ACE bandage. There you go. Oh, God. Yeah. God yeah. bless those I, toes. That's oh, jeez. It's crazy. Mm. Uh, okay, so what brings you the greatest joy when performing your job? I think uh, I really like creating those uh, relationships with the owners, especially when they've had like, such a horrific hit by car or really gnarly wound. And then just being able to see them 
walk out without the bandage, I think is everyone's goal. And so being able to see them walk out and then usually I ask them to send me once they're all healed and activity has been lifted, having them send me videos of them playing in the backyard or or going for their hike that they've missed so much while they're in recovery is just the most rewarding thing to get them back to the way they were before. And uh, seeing the owners develop and kind of buy in to what you guys are trying to do to heal their pet, like just being a part of that process and being part of that team is just absolutely amazing to help these animals. And it's, I couldn't be more rewarding and just satisfying once they walk out without a bandage on. Yeah, I agree. As much as I love bandaging, it's when they, it's taken off and they walk out is my favorite part. It's when they no longer need you, right? It's like love, hate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. It's like the kid, the kid going to college. It's like, it's, it's yeah you're, you're you no longer need me yeah <laughs> <laughs> fly birdie fly that's right exactly <laughs> um okay so people wanting to learn more about bandaging what kind of advice would you give them you know to how do they get started when you don't have like a patient like when you don't have the problem to bandage mm-hmm. like what what kind of advice right. do you teach them to you know or advice you have do you have for them i uh, first i would say if you ever do get a bandage they are rare especially in like gp uh if you ever do get a bandage be as involved as you can be if you need to just stand there and you have the opportunity to just be a part of the bandage and watch the doctor or watch the technician do it uh i would say do as much as you can to be a part of it and get that hands-on experience and also like these days like we talked about earlier with social media like there's YouTube videos, there's articles of people like writing about how to bandage. There's um, a lot of businesses that have these materials, the vet wrap, the cast padding, they themselves have CE online about how to bandage. I think it's just kind of just learning as much as you can and just being as hands-on as possible, uh, getting yourself uh, accustomed to wrapping because when you start bandaging, the most awkward thing is what you do with your hands. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. you're trying to be as smooth as possible, but you've just never done the wrap before. So it's difficult and clumsy. And just if you have some downtime or are able to just take a roll of cast padding and kind of just mess around with it and get used to it with your hands and just trying to figure it out. Bandaging is all about repetition. So the more comfortable you can be with the materials and the procedure of it, the easier and smoother it will be the time the one time you do get a bandage yeah, yeah for sure a lot of good resources out there or just call brian yeah or- that's right go to yes yes exactly call brian's bandages and find me everywhere, <laughs> find me everywhere. <laughs> hey that's a good segue uh if people want to learn more about brian's bandages where can they find you they can find me on facebook instagram youtube or at brinesbandages.com where um, I have a little hub. Um, you, ha- you can sus- subscribe and I have some in-depth videos where I narrate. And then um, I have all my instructional PowerPoints on how to do a tie over, how to do a bandaging 101. I have all sorts of PowerPoints on there so you can become a bandaging buddy and subscribe. And um, I'd love to see you over there. Awesome, perfect. Very cool, very cool. Do you want me to do the outro? Yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> well, we appreciate you hanging out with us today. And thank you so much for your time. It's really been fun learning about yeah. kind of like 
how you became what you be, you know, as far as your interests and, and how you've gotten to where you are with ban- Brian's bandages. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be fun to see kind of where you take it, you know, um, over the next several years, being a young entrepreneur, that's very exciting. And I think that's really cool. So yeah, keep us posted. Yeah. Keep us posted for sure. Too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I hope this has been a lot of fun. I really hope to come back in a certain amount of time and tell more stories with you guys. I love talking with you guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. You are welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Veterinary Roundtable. Remember, send in those questions and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at All Star Veterinary Clinic. If you enjoyed this episode or a previous episode, leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice. We'll see you in a few weeks for the next episode of the Veterinary Roundtable. See ya.